0: everyone and welcome to the Tidewad Tech episode 18, Google in the Classroom, for the week of October twenty eighth, 2010. This week we have uh, something we've never done before. Uh, we have our guest host with us from the beginning of the show. Uh, typically we try to uh, put them off or work them in so that we don't have to keep them around for an hour and a half while we fumble around. But uh, Derek said he wanted to, so wave hello to everybody, Derek. Hello, everybody. All right. So, uh, Sean and I are going to do our, uh, regular off topic sort of stuff that, uh, that you've all come to expect and love. Yeah. We, we call it that, the warm up. Right. Yeah. Um, and, and Derek, uh, Waddell, Waddle? Waddell, Waddell, that I had it right. Waddell. Waddell is going to be with us. And so, uh, we'll have a little, uh, um, Round color table. commentary. Yeah. There you go. Uh, as we go. Uh, so the first thing I wanted to talk about this week is, is my new love. Now it's it's an early in the relationship you know and um and you know we're still in that awkward feeling out stage but I think I think I may be in love and she's beautiful and, you know it, she, it's it's a thing of beauty she's she's amazing and um I really hope we're going to have a long and beautiful life together. It's still early to tell she may turn out to be, you know, a psycho hose beast. I don't know. Um uh, right. but um okay, in in the suspense. <laughs> but for now, I am rapidly falling in love with Pogo Plug. Now Pogo Plug is not new. It's uh it's been around for a while, uh but it's it's something that I just recently um took up and got discovered interested. yeah what pogo plug is is uh it's actually kind of um i just said is is i hate it when people do that <laughs> and i did that
1: it's like the double I, negative thing you know we it's were a good thing about. i'm
0: not a radio you know licensed guy because they would take it away from me for yeah. saying what that is is yeah what pogo plug is <laughs> is um is it's a um a device it's an internet uh sharing device that's really the easiest way to put it uh, it's like a, a, a it's like little like your own personal NAS in a box yeah it's personal Dropbox. right and so uh, it's a device it doesn't actually have any storage um you you pull it out and i'm like holding it up there's nobody here that can see this but i talk with my hands uh yeah. so it's it's a little device and their company colors are like this nasty pink i don't know why uh, maybe the woman uh, that there's a ceo woman Woman CEO, there we go. Right. The company, but anyway, now women
1: get, control the the marketing dollars. That's what they're, <laughs> right. they're they're once, just smart.
0: Once you get past the pink, um, it's a really nifty little device. It's about uh, the size of um, a CD case, but yeah, maybe you know, I'm thinking like a 500
1: thick, gig drive yeah. external drive that you you buy a best right. buy or it's something. It's
0: not quite as big as a Wii. Right, if you've got one of those, um, but, uh, bigger than, you know, a phone. Uh, so it's this little box and it has, uh, uh, four USB ports and an Ethernet jack. And so what you do is you plug your Ethernet jacket in, uh, jack in, and the newest ones, I'm not sure they're shipping yet, but the newest ones are actually Wi Fi as well. Uh, but the older models, uh, just have the Ethernet gigabit. You plug that in and it just automatically Goes out and connects with the uh, the Pogo Plug website, my dot uh, pogo plug dot com, right. and you go there and you click activate, and it's uh you know it's detecting your IP address and it says okay your IP address is here and the Pogo Plug's coming from the same IP so you're probably the same person and it's it's like a four step like literally click a button four times and your Pogo Plug is active and then. Whatever you plug in, now there's, like I said, there's four inputs. So you can plug in four USB drives or four external hard drives or a combination of them or a printer. You can plug in a USB printer.
1: Yeah, that's really And cool.
0: whatever you plug in there now becomes shared uh, in the cloud. PogoPlugs likes to say they're your personal cloud. So uh, a few weeks ago, uh, we were uh, talking about... Uh, uh, offside backups right. and the solutions that were out there, and and how for whatever reason we we were unhappy with them all, and and my personal favorite right now is Dropbox, uh, because of what it you know what it offers you, your your both local storage and onsite storage, and it's anywhere you go, and they've got clients for everything, uh, but even you know if you pay the the big bucks for Dropbox, it's still um, it's like only 50, fifty gigs. I think or it's a hundred gigs. Yeah. It's it's not a lot. For me, all right, for the average yeah. person, it's a lot. You get two gigs for free. Well, I bought um, a 320-gig um, external hard drive at Walmart when I was there picking up cereal one night. I mean, it's, <laughs> how crazy is that? Um, but I was there, and I happened to walk by, and they had them on sale for $60. So right. I bought a 360-gig external hard drive for 60 bucks. picked that up, figured I'm going to use this someday. And I've been, I've had it here at the studio. "Quote unquote," uh, <laughs> i.e., my office, and I've been keeping the the uh, uh, podcast files on that just to have an external backup. You know, we we, uh, uh, we I have the laptop that I do the mixing on. I push it out to that, and then we also push it up, obviously, on the uh, the website that that it's hosted on.
1: But you you want to keep that just so right. the day when the Smithsonian calls and wants right. And I know, keep, to keep I keep that. the raw
0: Audacity files, <laughs> and uh, you know I'm do I'm doing a ten channel digital mix in, even though we only use three or four. That's the, the way the mixer works it 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 sends all 10 channels and so the the raw files are like six and eight gigs um even after i've zipped them all up yeah Uh, so but i keep those you know for outtake reels or whatever we never know when we might need those well i took that drive i plugged it into pogo plug i plugged the ethernet into pogo plug and now that drive is on the net boom done um, and they have a client. They have a client for Linux, for Mac, for uh, uh, Windows. Uh, Windows, for Android, for BlackBerry, for iPod, for iPad, uh, and even the webOS, the Palm uh, operating system. Any platform, they're going to have some uh, kind of… of um,
1: Way to retrieve, interact with it.
0: Uh, client. That's the word I was yeah. looking for. Yeah. Client for it. <laughs> um, and so it's just awesomeness on a stick there. And it's just, just this little device. And so… All right, now, I've got 320 gigs, uh, 360 gigs. I can go buy a terabyte drive, and plug that in, and I have a terabyte plus 360. And then I can go get another terabyte drive, and it just expands like that. It's it's amazing, uh, and it's uh, it's immediate. And here's one of the coolest applications yet. Okay, another external drive I have at home. I haven't uh, brought it up here. Really. I'm putting it here in my office because uh, we have better upstream bandwidth. Here than, than I do at home. Right. So, um, it's okay. My boss knows about it. He's, he's all right with it. <laughs> uh, and so what I'm thinking is, I'm gonna take this terabyte drive that I have at home that I have all my boxy media on, right? We've talked about that repeatedly. Right, all your movies. Um, I've got all my movies. I've got at this point, like 168 movies that I have ripped. Yes, that many. 168 movies that I've ripped, uh, using Handbrake and they're on, on my boxy. Well, I can bring that drive up here, plug it in, redirect Boxy to look there, because the client that works for Windows or Linux just simply acts like a mapped drive. Now you've got a new P drive, P for Pogo plug. Right. And so tell Boxy to look there, and now I can stream my media from anywhere. I I tested it this morning. I put a movie on. I I grabbed my uh, phone, which shall remain nameless, lest people yell at me. Yeah. um,
1: Don't brag about your phone, Yeah, I can't brag
0: about my phone because people in the forums will go nuts if I mention that I have an Android phone called the Nexus One. Oh, crud. Here they come. Uh, So I put it on my phone and I started streaming over um, Edge, not even 3G out here in the country, a movie. Boom, done. It was just there. And and Pogo Plug, now I have all my stuff uh, transcoded in MP4 because that's uh, what Boxy uses. If you don't, pogo plugs website and their servers transcode it for you you just drop any video out there and check the transcode button and it becomes streamable to wow. any of your, of your device if you got an ipad out there um beautiful you download the pogo plug app and now you're watching it on your 11 inch screen you know great to keep the kids happy on a, on a trip
1: now here's the big question how much
0: 79 dollars.
1: right there ask me go. how
0: much it costs every month
1: uh, well yeah how much does it cost every month Mark?
0: nothing <laughs> nothing all this stuff i just mentioned is free it's part of the service you it comes with the hardware so i uh i think if you go online they're 99 but i bought it off of ebay for 79 so for 79 bucks well i bought this didn't even pay any
1: shipping chris in the chat room says that they now have a black version available right. so maybe that was maybe you got the pink you know well, on sale mine's
0: actually gray <laughs> It's not pink. But all the other ones I ever saw were pink. So it's kind of why I snapped up the gray one, to be honest with you. Because even though it's in my server room, you know, it's in the server room, right? It's surrounded by big, beefy stuff on rails. And and this little pink thing. I was afraid they might beat it up when I turned (laughs) the lights out. I I was a little worried about that. Um, But... so, so now I have all my media, or I will once I bring it all up here, uh, synced up and, and like Boxy, uh, excuse me, like, uh, uh Dropbox, there is an option to have it sync. So the data lives on your local machine and on your Pogo plug. So there you have your offsite duplicity. Yeah. um i'm not, i don't have it set up that right that way right now right now it's it's just mapping to that drive but uh i haven't yet tried it on linux i, I need to uh to get home and do that i don't have uh, didn't have time today here at work i literally just did that this this morning um i didn't have time to to do it during the day because i actually do work when i'm at work sometimes uh and so uh <laughs> When I get home, I'll try the Linux client, but I have no reason to think it won't work because I've already tried the Android client and the Windows client, the both the 64-bit and the 32-bit. I've done it on XP and on Vista on 32 and 64, and it's all just seamless, and it's a really a great thing. So um, Pogo plug. P O G O P O
1: U G, and I think we should uh, reiterate or, or kind of drive home the fact that the whole uh, video streaming thing that you're doing you're gonna you're gonna be dependent on upstream bandwidth. So right, you, most people are not going to have that kind of uh, upstream bandwidth at well, home. Well,
0: I did it over Edge, which is like 500 k. Okay, um, so it it must not take too much. Now I, here at at the school we have way more upstream but on my phone that i did the downstream on it was really slow so i don't know i don't know if you have just your regular um comcast uh cable i think they cap that at 128k or something right i don't don't know how well that'll work for streaming but even if it's not for streaming if you use it for the syncing features it'll take a while but it'll work and it's and you'll have all your stuff everywhere you need it to be Right. uh, right for so, for about the cost of Dropbox for one year, you get Pogo Plug indefinitely.
1: Yeah. Beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. Okay. And the box looks pretty cool the great right. one yeah,
0: yeah. I mean, it's it's one of those things you you're gonna stuff under uh, a, a wad of cable somewhere and in, in you know behind your entertainment center or or under your office desk or whatever and not not think about it so uh you know what it looks like isn't really important but it's it's totally silent uh, because there's no drives in it there's nothing in it yeah uh whatever drive you plug in and if you do solid state like a flash drive uh it's completely silent yeah so there's that. Uh, once again, not in any way endorsed or affiliated with Pogo Plug, but if you'd like to send me some money for this <laughs> glowing endorsement I just did, I'm okay with that.
1: Right. At least give you a free unit or something.
0: <laughs> uh, Chris in the chat room says he's wondering about heat. Um, all I can say is it doesn't seem to get hot. You know, it doesn't. You you, you can't feel heat when you touch it. So, uh, you know, I don't know if it's going to raise the internal temperature of your entertainment center up or not, but just the really unscientific, I touched it and it didn't feel hot.
1: Yeah, and, and you kind of prefaced uh, that whole section with the fact that uh, it, it's love for now, but yeah, it's kind of... Uh, it'll be interesting to see over time right. how that performs and how it fits into your life. We so.
0: we may be headed for a, a ugly custody battle at some point, right? I uh, <laughs> but I, I did some checking on the uh, um, security aspect of it. They use 128 uh, bit AES uh, encryption end to end. Now you do have to connect with the Pogo Plug server. Okay, so even if it's on your LAN, the initial connection, just like the way Skype or or a lot of these other services do it, the initial connection goes through their servers. It handles all of that, and then says, "Oh, you two are on the same LAN." Here, handle that. So, uh, if it can determine you're on the same LAN, it will. In 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 my case here with our corporate uh, grade firewall, it couldn't. So all our all of my interactions were going out to the server and back because it, it couldn't figure out, uh, and that's what we want here with our firewall. We, we, we have things kind of stealth, uh, stealthy. But with your regular home router or your you know, IP cop or Dan's Guardian, whatever you might have running out there, I don't think you're going to have any issues. I think it's just going to work.
1: Awesome. So
0: All right, so what's next? Uh, the next thing I wanted to mention, uh, last week um, when we were talking to Amanda, uh, wait, that hasn't gone out yet. Oh, but neither is this. You see, the schedule thing, it gets me. Oh, right? yeah, yeah. We're recording this before that goes out, but it'll be posted after, so yeah, I can say that. You, yeah,
1: what she said was So that.
0: last week, when we were talking with, with Amanda Wilson, uh, we mentioned her blog a little bit, and, uh, and we talked about blogs as a repository of, of in- information, just a place to put stuff. Uh today we had an interesting uh question come to us. One of our uh office workers in the admin called called us and said I'm working in a an Excel spreadsheet uh and I have hidden column A. How do I get it back? And so, you know, Sean and I both said, "Well, that's easy. You highlight, uh, you know, the columns on the left and the right of it and click on Oh, wait a minute. It's column A. There is no column on the left of it." Right. How do you do that?
1: So we started uh Well, and even when know, I knew supposedly how to right. do it, it still didn't work.
0: We did what any good geek would do. We went to Google and found some solutions, and everything we tried didn't work. And so I went, you know, what you most people never do, I actually went to page two of the Google search results. <laughs> right. Did you know there's a page two? Yeah. I think most people don't even know that. I went to page two. Check it out sometime. There's actually a little numbers thing down there. There's more than one page <laughs> to Google research results. So I went to page two, and some person had said on their blog – I had this situation. I hid column A. I couldn't get it back. I followed these instructions, the same instructions we'd been doing, and it didn't work. And then I realized I had my panel, my panels frozen.
1: Pains. Pains frozen. I
0: unfroze my pains and then it worked. Now, this was just somebody who just posted it on their own blog for their own information so that they would have it later. And it benefited me. So. That's. I just wanted to throw that out there. Blogs are not just about uh, navel gazing and you know, and and telling everybody how great you are. Blogs can be a repository of information for you that the rest of the world benefits from.
1: Right. So that's just a quick one. Well, and then I uh, going into today's show topic, I took that and threw it real quickly into a, a Google Doc so that we had it uh, internally searchable that's for right. the future. Yes. So.
0: And uh, did you link back to the blog post? That would have been the smart thing to do.
1: Yeah, that would have been good, but I, I just put, I, right. you, I, you put know, the I two sentences. So on we what, hoarded yeah. it. See, yeah.
0: now nobody else can get that. Right. <laughs> but only, but that good person, they were good enough to pu- publish publicize it.
1: We're, we're sharing it with publish the world it. now.
0: Publi- pub- I'm sorry. I'm having a hard time speaking today. <laughs>
1: it's kind of a valuable asset um, you should have when you're broadcasting. I'm sitting behind
0: a microphone. <laughs> speaking might be one of those things I should be able to do, but I'm having issues today. Um, okay, so enough about that. That's our 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 rant. I, I just wanted to you know I, I love you, Pogo plug. Um, I, I, hope, uh, I hope you're having a good day, honey. Uh, and then <laughs> well, I wanted to relay that that you know when when we pontificate about things and then it turns out we're right. You know, I'm going to let you know because it makes me look good. Right? Yeah, sure.
1: And, sure. Right. I want to know uh, what the kids are going to look like. That's really what
0: I'm wondering. <laughs> Between me, they will not be attractive, I can assure you. Uh, okay, so today, uh, today's show is about uh, Google Apps in the classroom. Uh, we've done uh, three so far of our four, uh, no, we've done two. This is our third of our four part series of Google Apps. Uh, we talked about how to, to, uh, uh, what it is and why you should care. We talked about how to in- integrate it into your existing uh, infrastructure. And today we're going to talk about actual implementation in the classroom. And Sean and I have pushed this back a couple of times because we were very adamant that we wanted to find somebody who was knowledgeable about this um because we're not I mean, we we trained our teachers we trained our staff but it was you know we did a two-hour training one day during the summer and and we're not actually boots on the ground using it and, and living with it every day
1: well and we even uh did more intensive training with a very select group of teachers with the idea that those teachers should be going out and, and teaching the other teachers so because uh, we're really not you know we don't, we don't get that cred. Right. Yeah. You know?
0: And so, uh, today we have joining us Derek Waddell, uh, who is a, a, teacher and technology coordinator at West Point High School in Coleman, Alabama. And, uh, uh, Derek spent seven years in, in the classroom as a teacher. Uh, and for the last three years, he's been a technology coordinator and he's a Google Apps for Education certified trainer. So this is a man with some credentials. Um, and recently, his school has moved uh, to Google Apps, uh, and then his entire district moved to Google Apps. So he's been through both a localized and a large scale implementation that uh, he helped spearhead. And he's a guy who's not only got classroom credentials, but has uh, also got Google credentials. So everybody, uh, welcome Derek Waddell. Hello, Derek.
2: Hey guys, how's it going? Hello, Derek.
1: Uh, I'm curious, Derek, what you uh, wh- what was it that you taught when you were in the classroom?
2: Actually, I'm still in the classroom. Um, I oh, teach television, too, okay. computers, and English. So, oh, yeah, great. still there.
1: So you're splitting time then. I am. Did you uh, Did you go back and listen to the Doctor Green episode?
2: Uh, no, I don't think I
1: did. Okay. Yeah, we actually interviewed uh, somebody that had a, a, a an opinion about that. Actually, that we challenged, but uh, uh it, was, it was quite interesting.
0: So we we did this whole build up about how you were going to be joining us during the intro, and then you didn't say a word.
2: Um, I, pretty, I'm, I'm sorry. I didn't know where to jump in. You kinda I um, let us all down. Don't no,
1: know. don't worry, Derek. It's hard <laughs> to get a word in edgewise when Mark
2: gets going.
0: <laughs> you know, I can't argue with that. I can't right. argue with that. Yeah okay so derek we're just gonna uh just go all right you you know more about this stuff than we do so uh just give us the uh the first the the elevator pitch you've got two minutes to tell us about google apps in the classroom uh what it is and how uh or why it might transform education and then we'll uh go from there
2: well i think really the thing that google apps offers uh Mostly is um, collaboration. It's just the, the ability to share documents, share sites, share calendars uh, across multiple groups of people with students and teachers and admins. And it, it just, the collaboration elements by themselves are, are great, great tools. But uh, the, the reason we made the switch, uh, we had a problem with a rogue virus and we needed an off-site storage solution. And I pitched the idea as an off-site storage solution. And it went over. We tried it at the school. It went over well at the school, so the district made the switch soon after.
1: That's a very interesting selling point there. I hadn't really thought of pitching it that way, but uh, that that seems like a great way to get some buy-in.
2: It, it did, and it, it it worked well. Like I said, it worked well at the school, and once I got it implemented uh, and the administrators saw how well it worked with forms and docs and calendars, uh, the sale to the district was was much easier than it was at the school level.
1: Now, are you a uh, are you uh, working as a tech coordinator at us at a, the school level or the district level?
2: I'm a school level technology coordinator. I'm I'm still under the district level uh, admins and technology coordinators at the district.
1: So you uh, but, you you had quite a bit of selling to do then. You you didn't get to uh, re, you weren't really making the decision on that then.
2: Oh no, I had I had to go several levels up to get the approval. So. Uh,
0: Tell, talk a little bit about that process. Uh, you are, you know, like you said, several levels down. Uh, how how did that go? How did you first introduce the topic, and and uh, and how, what was the reception like uh, along each level? Uh, yeah, I'll stop there. Yeah,
1: that's good.
2: Well, the good part is I have uh, one of the district level technology. There are two uh, two men who are are pretty much in charge at the district level, and. One of them is a big Google fan anyway, and uh, so it really wasn't that hard to pitch it to him. Uh, his idea was basically try it out in the school, see how it goes, and if it works, great. If it doesn't work, scrap it. Uh, but it did. It worked well uh, above and beyond expectations.
0: And what about the teachers? What was, what was their uh, uh, initial response like and then the response following?
2: Uh that took a little selling actually. Uh some of the teachers were really reluctant to change, especially uh when I started pitching the ideas of of using shared documents and shared presentations instead of using Microsoft Office. Uh web based email versus Outlook uh Outlook calendars versus Google Calendars. It was a big sale there. Uh but once I started implementing the collaboration elements, uh they saw how useful it could be. We actually have um shared calendars now between uh, all, the, all the faculty members who can reserve the computer labs or reserve the library, and uh, teachers are just loving it all the way around.
1: Did you, uh, was it kind of uh, all hands on deck? Did you implement everything all at once, or did you give them just the docs first and then the email, or how did that go?
2: Uh, I piloted it with my computer classes first. Uh, I had 40-something users uh, in my computer classes, piloted it with those I tested it for a few months. It, it went well with those, and then uh, rolled it out to the entire high school.
1: So your your which, test case was was actually students then first rather than teachers, is that right, right?
2: Definitely students first. Yep.
1: Awesome. So you tested it out at the classroom level and then moved up from there. That, yeah, that because I great. thought
2: if it if it didn't work in the classroom, then then the administration wasn't going to go for it. Uh, it had to work with the students first. Uh, and once it worked with the students, then we just went out from there. So was there
0: a killer trick or tip that uh, sold your staff on it more than, more than anything
2: else? Uh, forms, actually. Uh, we started using – I set up a form for announcements, uh, set up a Google site for our, our school website, and embedded the spreadsheet from the Google form onto the website so that any time a teacher uh, posted an announcement with the form, automatically posted to the website – the The spreadsheet was shared with the administration, so anytime a teacher needed to make an announcement, it automatically pulled to their their spreadsheet instead of having a stack of sticky notes on their desk and uh, the administration fell in love with it after that
0: okay and we've talked a little bit about what forms is the uh, the easiest way to put it is it's a it's a quick survey. It's a quick way to get information. You put a a form online, which uh, and we've all filled out some sort of web form uh, in at some point. You know, there's there's a little box that you type in, and then a button at the bottom that you click submit. And what makes Google forms different than others is its simplicity. You you fill that out, and and then you can give it different options as to who can uh, sign up and who can't. Is it public? Is it private? What information gets provided behind the scenes? For example, if uh, we have a form here that we use for our cafeteria ladies, uh, the teachers every day fill out a form that says how many kids are going to be eating lunch and how many kids brought their sack lunch. Um, and it's it's a one-question form that actually gets sent to them in an email. They don't even have to go to a web page. It's a one-question form, how many kids, and, and they click it. But Google, on the back end, takes the teacher's name and the time that they put it in there and and puts all that information in a Google spreadsheet. And so without them having to log in or do anything, because they're already logged into Google Apps uh, anyway, uh, Google records their name, records the time that they did it. And so the cafeteria people can look at it and say, all right, we're going to have – 150 uh, fifth graders, and it's going to be from these classes, and we know that because these people said that. And it's a it's a really handy way to get a lot of information for very minimal upfront effort.
1: Right, yes. and uh, Derek, I'm kind of curious. Uh, I, I know there's a lot of uses for this in the classroom, but uh, uh, how are you guys uh, utilizing it in the classroom?
2: Uh, mostly in the classroom, we use it for tests and quizzes. Um, our, I think our administration probably uses forms more than our teachers do. Uh, I use it quite a bit, but some of our other teachers have been less forthcoming as far as that goes because they don't want to grade on screen. They want to actually have a printed copy, and then they had to print that out, and they just don't want to do that. Um, but, you know, t- test, quizzes, um, we actually had a, a senior parent night a few weeks ago at our high school, and they set up a couple laptops inside the door, and instead of having the parents sign in on a piece of paper. They filled out the form, and it automatically posted to a spreadsheet for the council.
1: Great,
0: that's very impressive. Yeah. Um, so, so once forms hooked them, uh, what what was the next step?
2: Uh, trying to get everybody into the idea of being able to use a, a web based email client at school. Uh, that was my biggest battle was was trying to fight the we want to use Outlook. Uh, Because that's what we've used for 40 years, people. Right. Um, We didn't have, at
0: our school, we didn't face that because several years prior, I already made that switch. Uh, We were using a different uh, web based mail client. And the way I handled that was you can still use Outlook or Thunderbird or uh, what is that terrible one they like? IncrediMail. Oh, IncrediMail. You can (laughs) still use whatever you want, but the only thing I support is the one on the website. So any problems you have, I'm going to say, Hey, use the one on the website. It works. <laughs> um, and you know, and so that's the way we handled it. Uh, I find it interesting that it, that email was your biggest um, uh, hang-up because in our in our implementation, email was the hook. That's what got them because it was such a superior web client to what they had been using.
2: Oh, and and once they got used to the idea of of opening up their web browser instead of opening up Outlook, uh, and they saw the benefits of it. It's gone over really well, especially with chat. Uh, the the integration of chat in with the Gmail in Google Apps is just incredible, and our teachers love it.
1: Is that the first time that you had uh, that they had chat available to them?
2: Yeah, we've been using an a, an Outlook, um, I mean a, a Exchange server for as long as I've been in the system. Uh, so it was a big a big difference between an, an Exchange server and Google Apps email.
0: We might need to do an episode on OpenFire and let people know about that implementation.
2: Yeah,
1: that's a good uh, one, too. We,
0: we've had uh, our own district instant message server uh, in place for a couple of years now. We started uh, a long time ago using a really simple uh, tool called WinPopUp, and then later I, I moved to uh, an OpenFire server. And And so because we have that, uh, chat is not used by the teachers much, but, man, is it used by the students. Uh, you can look in on iTalk and see a kid with you know, 16 chat windows open going crazy on it. And uh, interestingly, that was the thing that our teachers really thought was going to be uh, the big bears. Like, oh, we, we don't want the students chatting. But as far as I know, and, again, I'm not in the loop on all this stuff, but as far as I know, we've had zero discipline issues related to Google Chat at all.
1: I don't even recall yeah a complaint coming in at all. Yeah. yeah. The
0: the kids they like it. They want to want to be able to use it. They use it discreetly and and then they move on with their work. Uh so let's talk about uh, uh sharing documents. Tell me how as a teacher you share documents with students or with other teachers and and uh what are some of the best practices that you've come up with in your implementation with uh sharing documents back and forth.
2: Um you know, probably one of the best ways that I've, I've found, and some of our teachers have actually jumped on board uh, with it as well, is creating a group uh, in in your contacts and creating a folder in your in your Google Docs and putting all of your assignments for that class or all of your uh, classroom lecture notes for that class into a folder and sharing it with the group. It just makes it super easy uh, to get that done. Uh, now,
1: I'm curious with regards to folders, uh because uh, it seems like we have a lot of teachers that want to do the same thing, but they struggle a little bit with setting up sharing in folders. Have you experienced uh, kind of similar problems there with your teachers having trouble with setting up folders properly?
2: Uh, not for the most part, and I don't know why, because, you know, when when we first implemented, I expected a problem there, but we really haven't had one.
0: Okay. I think maybe it's a, a mindset issue. We we have one teacher in particular um, who has given up on Google apps and gone back to Microsoft Office and and network storage simply because they she couldn't get the, the folders the way she wanted them. And and that's. There are some paradigm shifts that you have to go through when you when you start moving to uh, to Google. One of my big issues um, was uh, I've always been a Thunderbird user for uh, since it was called uh, Netscape Communicator. Uh, I've I've used uh, that's been my mail client, and when I moved to Gmail, um, it just does things differently, particularly the threaded conversations. Um, I hated threaded conversations hated everything about it a couple of weeks ago they gave the option google added that in there to turn off threaded conversations i went in there i turned them off and then turned them back on i right now now you're used to to it it, i liked it i wanted it uh and so i think and that's what we've told our people there are some things that you just have to swallow the google pill and once you start doing it their way you suddenly realize it's better than what you thought was better before
1: right Right. Now, Derek, I I imagine you probably spent a decent amount of time probably uh, working with these teachers at your campus, kind of uh, easing that along.
2: Yes, I did did, uh, several training workshops and sessions uh, trying to get everybody up to speed. And last year during the switchover uh, from the Exchange server to Google Apps at the district level, uh, there were quite a few headaches uh, rolled into that. But it went smoother than I expected, actually.
0: Okay, so let's talk about that. If uh, if you're a, a tech guy, if I'm a tech guy at another school, and I'm considering rolling out Google Apps, and I've got my administration on board, uh, what are some of the things I need to be sure to hit in training to make sure that my teachers are going to be able to grasp it and use it effectively?
2: Well, I think most most of appropriately is the, the sharing elements and the collaboration elements and the real-time uh, elements of it because a lot of our teachers aren't used to that real-time uh, action. You know, it's, it's create a document, put it on a flash drive, send it to somebody, let them open it up and add something to it. Um, but training them in that element of it uh, and getting them used to it and getting them used to seeing the students do that uh, I think is probably the most effective thing to hit first.
0: Okay. Uh one of the interesting things that uh that we ran into and I'm I'm interested to see what your uh input was. Uh, once they learned that for example when you share a folder, everybody you share that folder with has access to it. You can't uh you can't create like a homework drop, which is what what teachers always seem to want. I want the kids to put something in there and then not be able to touch it again. Um you don't get that with Google. If you give uh, the folder, if you give a group a- edit permissions, everybody can edit every document in that folder. Um, what we pointed out to them was the Google's excellent revision history, uh, where you can see every change that was made, everybody that did it, uh, what time they did it, and you can roll back and undo it. Um, did, did that question come up for you? And if so, did you answer it differently?
2: It did. Um, most of our teachers are, are sharing to view instead of sharing to edit, uh, for the most part, when they're having assignments turned in. Um, but, you know, like like I said earlier, the science teacher who has the folder that she shares with the entire class, those are shared to view and not to edit. Uh, so, so that quelled some but can of the, a some put of the a issues document, that we had there.
0: Can a student put a document in there if they only have view access? I'm talking about student-created no, documents.
2: Sh- Okay. Usually, when they when they do it that way, uh, the the student just shares. They don't they don't do a drop folder in that form. They just share it with the teacher, and then the teacher organizes it.
0: Well, then them. you have the issue um, of the cluttered right. inbox. Oh my gosh, I have fifty kids from five classes all dumping stuff on me. How do I organize it?
1: Yeah, and that that was the point that uh, with the teacher we were talking about. Uh, that was, I guess, the paradigm shift I was hoping would occur was. Uh, you don't necessarily need folders, right? I mean, with everything being searchable, you don't need folders. And I was trying to explain to her, you know, maybe a method of uh, student name, uh, the the subject name and the class period, uh, something to that effect and that it would be searchable. So I'm curious if you guys came up with anything like that, Derek.
2: Oh, yeah, that that's definitely one of the one of the tips that I gave the teachers was to uh, when the student shares the document back with you. Have them name it something, just like you're putting a name on a paper, uh teacher wants name, date, class period. Uh, the same way when you're turning in a document online, still have that same format that they use every time. Uh, that way, when you do have to go back and find something, it's easier to find.
0: And not only – you don't even have to do naming. They could name it whatever they want as long as that header was in the document. And then the beauty of Google Search right. is you search every word in the document. So if you're searching for uh, research paper number three, you're going to get every document that has that. Um, what we have bumped into the wall there is just the the look of it, uh, and the same with Gmail. You know where where all your conversations are in the inbox, and everybody wants to shove everything off to folders. And in Google, it kind of works both ways. They're still in the folders, but they're also in your inbox, and they're having a hard time. With that clutter issue, and I wondered, you know, you were you're a Google certified trainer. You you've got the Google seal of approval there. What's the official Google answer to that?
2: I, I don't I don't know if there is one, and I wouldn't say I have the Google seal of approval. Um, <laughs>
0: well, you uh, don't have to. I just did.
2: <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I don't think there is one, and I think that's just a, a matter of uh, getting used to a new format. Uh, it's not it's not the same the same world that we were living in ten years ago. Uh, when everything was in a folder in your My Documents and you moved it around and put it where you wanted. Uh, when it's in the cloud, when it's in Google Apps, it's just there. Uh, folders aren't really folders at all. They're just labels attached to a file that you can then easily find. Um, it's just a, a matter of getting them to realize that it doesn't work the same way. And it, it's it's a challenge, but I think once they realize the benefits of it, uh, they come around.
0: Now, from the administrative point of view, uh, do the teachers have a choice? Can they use Google or not use Google in your district?
2: Uh, Our mail all goes through Google Apps. Uh, They don't have a choice when it comes to mail. Uh, As far as everything else goes, uh, there's been no uh, requirements to use Calendar or requirements to use anything else Uh, as far as that goes. um, We're trying to push as hard as we can to, to get them to use um, some of the other features, uh, the forms. Uh, our administration uses the forms for discipline, uses forms for uh, announcements, that kind of stuff. That that kind of stuff on an administrative level, on the school level, is required. But as far as a district level, uh, there's no there's been no set requirements. We did move most of our sites over to Google Sites this past summer. I actually did some district level training on that, and and that's that's been a big push to get. Most of our stuff moved on to Google Sites so that we can uh, lose that extra server at the district level.
1: See, I like that. I, I like the fact that, uh, I think we, we pretty much do the same thing here, but it's our job as, uh, as tech guys is just to provide the tools and, and not tell you which tools you have to use. But, uh, so we, we give another tool. Sometimes we do have to do that. Uh, same thing with mail. I mean, it was a kind of all or nothing thing, but, they still could jump in there and use Outlook if they wanted to. I guess
0: absolutely, it still yeah. connects to, to Gmail, and we have people uh, do it with their their iPhones. They bring their phones in and say, "Now, what's the thing I need to type in here?" Uh, and so we do have quote unquote unsupported clients in that regard, but they're all still going through you know Gmail to get to it. Uh, so. Uh, With your implementation of Google Sites, is that uh, every teacher has their own classroom one or campuses are doing How are you using Google Sites at your school? Or maybe the better question is how would you like to be using it?
2: Uh, Well, our district site moved over. Uh, Our our high school site moved over first. They liked it, so the district site moved over. Um, The training sessions I did this summer were for both um, technology coordinators at the individual schools. So most of our, our high schools and middle schools and elementary schools have moved over their sites to Google Sites now. And there's a big push for teachers to start using it as well.
0: Uh, what size is your district, roughly?
2: Uh, there are seven or eight high schools. Okay. Um, we're not a big district. We're a, a rural area. Um, so, so we're talking, as what, 10,000 students? Not that you know, I'm really not sure, um, but my guess is smaller. Okay.
0: so Because to me, that's huge. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's ridiculously huge. But I find that interesting. Um, you mean to tell me that a school with seven or eight high schools and, and the elementaries and middle schools that go with that can do everything they need to do with just Google Sites? You don't need a multi-thousand-dollar content management system hosted on some server uh, to do that?
2: Yeah, and that's what's great about it. It's that that was one of the big uh, the big questions was when we when we started to to push the move to Google Apps was how much is this going to cost, and uh, the answer was a lot less than you're paying now uh, <laughs> because it's all free.
1: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Now uh, do, uh, here we experienced somewhat of a spark when they figured out Google Sites. Uh, it seemed to spread like wildfire. Uh, was was that something uh, similar thing happened to you there? Um, uh, is uh, is it just uh, kind of campus-level using it? Are there a lot of teachers using it, students using it?
2: Uh, there are. Actually, uh, there was a project uh, at the end of last year that uh, it was a research project, and instead of doing a research paper, the students did a research website using their Google Sites. What a great uh, which idea. I thought was was very inventive. Awesome.
0: And so you have uh... – You've rolled out Google Apps to the students. How about the mail? Do the students have mail?
2: Students have everything. Everything that the teachers have, uh, except for uh, I think I've turned off chat, uh, but everything else is on. But that was that was an administration level decision that I didn't really have much control over. That's the
0: one everybody turns off. They always Good. turn off yeah. chat.
2: Okay, so which uh, is unfortunate, but uh,
0: yeah, we can't have kids talking to each other. We can't
2: <laughs> communication. That's a
0: bad thing. We can't have that um so uh did you do this in a phase roll in or did they just get here the first day of school and have all these new toys
2: uh no it's just uh when we rolled it out re-rolled it out um everything rolled out at once um i set up uh, the postini which is a great great feature for education the free postini filtering Uh, i set up postini so that uh, our administration felt a little more comfortable about it and um it just rolled it all out right at once, and you know, the students go in, log in, and have access to everything right there off off the off the bat day one.
0: Oh, I think we lost you for a second there. Last thing you said was everything right off the bat.
2: No, that's uh, that's about where oh, I stopped. That was it. Okay, <laughs>
0: it just sounded like it stopped very suddenly. Um, I think I, I'm out of questions. Uh,
1: well, I'm a, I'm a little bit curious, and uh, something we hadn't really covered a whole lot, but uh, is listed here in the notes is uh, about uh, class calendars and homework and things like that. Uh, uh, I haven't seen as much of that around here. I'm curious to hear about uh, how your teachers are utilizing that.
2: Oh, calendars are great. Um, that's one of one of the biggest hits that that's been at the school level uh, with our teachers. I was really surprised that that was the one that everybody seemed to cling to. Um, but we're using shared sites or shared calendars for, uh, for everything from signing up for the computer lab, um, checking out uh, books from the library um, as far as you know, classroom sets to go, that kind of stuff. Um, but the teachers love it because they don't have to truck to the office and, and find the calendar and look to see who has it and sign up for the, for the computer lab. They go back to their classroom and put it in. It's all right there. They just pull it up. They're in their email. They click on their calendar. They pull it up and they see nobody has the uh, computer lab on Friday. I'm going to sign up now. And it's just, it's been a really big hit. Uh, as far as that goes. Yeah, and but then, what if a teacher
0: decides they want the computer lab and somebody already has it, and they simply delete that person's name and put their own name? That was actually a question that a principal asked me. Uh, how do we handle that uh, technologically if a teacher would do that? And my response was, we fire that teacher, because that's ridiculously <laughs> unprofessional behavior. But uh, had, did anybody ever ask you that question?
2: Uh, nobody has, and we haven't had it come up yet, and I keep hoping that it won't. Um, <laughs> I keep a check on the calendar for the computer lab uh on day every day every other day. Uh so usually I know a week or so ahead of time who has the computer lab scheduled. So if that ever happens, I would be aware of it. Uh but hopefully that won't come up anytime That's soon. That's
1: a good question. I hadn't thought about that, but there's there's not a revision history on that. Is now there's there?
0: no kind of revision tracking or anything like that on the calendar.
1: Yeah. I hadn't thought of that. Yeah. Um, I'm curious too, uh, you know, we talked about teachers using it, but do you have, uh, do you have uh, teachers using it uh, with students? Uh, Uh, Yeah. Scheduling homework Uh, or I don't know. uh, I don't know what kind of access to computers your students have, but.
2: We have a few teachers using it right now. Um, I'm using it. uh, If you go to my my classroom website that my students go to, um, I actually have, I have three different classes during the day. So I have a separate calendar for each class and they all show up a separate color on the website so they look on the website they say oh yellow that's my class so i know what's going on this week um i keep trying to push that uh that's that's been a kind of a reluctant area for some of our teachers because they have to do lesson plans anyway and it's, they say they see that as having to do lesson plans twice um but it's the communication factor of it uh a student at home being able to see oh i missed this when i was out on thursday or a parent being able to see they're doing this this week, um, that's where I'm trying to push it. And the, the fact that you can just embed it into your website, your Google site, that easily uh, just makes it that much more appealing.
0: And it's not just calendars that you can embed. I had a teacher ask me, uh, I've got this uh, document, uh, I think it was an acceptable use or something, and I want to put that in my uh, Google Doc, how do I upload it? I said, you don't, you embed it. And then every time you change it there, it's automatically updated on the website. It's a beautiful
2: thing. Oh, yeah. And that, that's that's one of the great things. This, this uh, uh, Like with the announcements page I was talking about earlier where they use the form, that embedded spreadsheet, anytime there's a new announcement, it's automatically posted. I don't have to go into the website and repost announcements every time somebody wants to make a new announcement. Uh, they fill out the form, hit submit, and it's automatically done for me. Makes my job much easier.
0: And then, you know, that spreadsheet that you get back—if you chose to—you could then in turn publish that so that people see the results of their form. If—if if you ever needed to do
2: that. Oh, it's—it's it's published on the website. You can. Right. There's a link on the website. You click on it, and it takes you to the published published spreadsheet. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Very cool. Um, anything we've left out? Anything you wanted to hit that uh, that we didn't mention?
2: Uh, I don't think so. I think I think that pretty much covered all of it.
0: Okay, uh, so one word answer: If somebody's trying to decide to use Google Apps or not, should they do it?
1: <laughs> yes. There we go.
0: That's the sound bite. That's the one we'll put out. Ringing
1: endorsement from a teacher, right there. Yeah.
0: So um, I'm curious: Did you have any of your teachers? Um, say things like, you know, why do we do this? This is just to make administration easier or uh, this is just another thing that we have to do. Did you have any teachers who just didn't get the value of it?
2: I'm sure we did, but I didn't hear them. Uh, they they didn't say that to me. Um, so I'm sure there were some naysayers, um, but I think now that it's there and in place, uh, those have gone by the wayside because the collaboration in Google Apps is – Above and beyond anything uh, they could have expected, and I think they see the benefit.
1: Very cool. Yeah, great stuff.
0: All right, Derek, we'll. I guess we'll just wrap it up there. We uh, uh, thank you for your time. It's been uh, great having somebody uh, with uh, with authority who can who can talk on this. Because if we covered this, we'd be talking about maybes and mites, and and you get to talk about somebody who's uh, from somebody who's actually doing it. I didn't ask this. Uh, when did you move to Google Apps? uh, you uh, the first implement- implementation.
2: The school moved at the beginning of last year and the district moved near the end of last year.
0: Oh, so they didn't even wait a year.
2: No, no, it was quick. a quick turnover.
0: Wow. And so, um, how do you set up your student accounts?
2: Uh, actually we're, we're, uh, the state of Alabama uses a software called STI. It's, uh, just a, a management software for students and it allows you to print out or, uh, export a CSV file of student names. and It's just uploaded straight into Google apps. It automatically spits them out for me. It's a quick, easy process.
0: Yeah. Google does make bulk uploading really easy. Yeah.
1: Yeah. We did a similar, similar thing.
0: Single domain for everybody or a different one for teachers and students.
2: Different. Uh, the students have, have theirs at our school domain and the teachers have theirs at the district level domain.
0: And tell me why that decision was made.
2: Um, Mostly because the district decided to move, um, because originally we set it up, we set up students and teachers on the school domain so that the, they had access to it, okay. and then when the district decided to make the move later on, uh, all the teachers got their domain there or their their email through, through that domain. So, so more, that, more that a that function moved.
1: of being a larger district than, than anything there, it sounds like. Right. Okay.
2: All right.
0: All right. Well, thanks, Derek. And um, it's great to have you out there. Uh, Had you heard of the show before Sean contacted you?
2: Yes, I had. Um, I'd heard of it through Classroom 2.0, which is a great site if nobody nobody, uh, out there uses it. It's a great, great way to meet and discuss with other classroom teachers that was one of our teacher tips of the
0: week
1: yeah that was a teacher tip of the week oh i want to say maybe about five or six weeks ago by me and uh yeah i found it to be a great site it's a great site for teachers to just meet up and uh share ideas so uh and
0: and i ask that not for to be egotistical, but I, uh, when we were uh, talking uh, before we started recording, um, he uh, said that he had already listened to the other two Google App shows. So I thought either he's really studious, and you know, we we contacted him, he went out and did that, or he was a listener beforehand. I was just curious which it was.
2: Well, I I, I didn't catch some of the early. I went back and listened to some of the earlier uh, episodes after we we got in contact, but I had listened to. Uh, Both of the Google apps and several of the others in between.
0: That's cool. See, that's Um, our plan for world domination. Everybody we interview has to go listen to our show. And so we just interview somebody every week, and that's 52 (laughs) new listeners a year.
1: (laughs) Yeah, we'll take over in in short order.
0: (laughs) It shouldn't take more than uh, 100,000 years.
1: Something like that. We'll
0: we'll, we'll be cool. So uh, we'll move straight into our uh tech tip of the week. Uh, and this one is a new one on me. Most of the uh, uh, tips of the week are things that I have used uh, over the years. This one is brand new. I just found about it, uh, found out about it this week. But on the heels of my recent tech tip of the week about uh, Autowit, uh, I thought I would uh, uh, throw out this one. This one is called Actions. Um, not a terribly creative name. Um, and again, I'll put the link, uh, in the website, but what actions is, um, it's kind of hard to describe. The best way to, to put it is it's like a a, a macro creator, a, a visual macro creator. Uh, now, AutoIt uh, that I mentioned before was Windows-only, and I don't think I did mention that, but it is a Windows-only tool, uh, and uh, it it's done by typing commands into a text box and compiling those and creating a file.
1: Um, yeah, you have to be like a programmer or comfortable working in a command line right, or something least like willing that. willing to build to really... a
0: batch script, that sort of thing. Yeah. Uh, uh, actions uh, is very visual. It's much more graphical. It has a set of things that it already knows how to do, like for example, uh, open this document, uh, create this uh, file here, and so you simply visually. I'm again, I'm using my hands, even though there nobody go, can see it. Yeah. <laughs> you drag a document, uh, an action that it knows how to do into your workflow. Then, once your workflow is created, you export that into a file that you can run. Uh, and it's extensible from what I understand, uh, that you can create your own actions. So it, it has its library of actions that it knows how to do. Um, but you can also teach it new things. And I'm not sure what the mechanism for that is, but you can teach it new tools. And so then all these things that you could do, like, you know, left click, right click, open window, minimize window. These are all different actions that you draw uh, drag into a workflow and compile that it works on windows and on Macs. Um, Uh, I think if I'm not mistaken, it is the recent, uh, Intel max and not the old, uh, PPC max. Uh, but so for those of you out there who, uh, thought I shorted you, um, who am I kidding? There's no uh, Mac people listening to this show anymore. Sean ran them off weeks (laughs) ago. Uh, But they, there you go. They left so, cursing. <laughs> so anybody out there who uh, has an Apple and, and wants to do that sort of thing, or is more v- visual and less text oriented, check out Actions. Uh, and again, I'll put the link uh, on the uh, on the website. Uh, it it sounds uh, very impressive. In fact, it all as I uh, you, you build it right from their website. Even there's there's not even something that you have to download. It's all Java based.
1: Well, yeah. There's there's two ways. I was looking at it because I saw this this tip and it seemed really interesting. So I went out there and looked at it too. And uh uh, yeah, Java-based, uh, runs just an applet direct from the side. Or you can install it, so it's, you can do it either way. Um, and it uh, looked like, you know, it's brand new, but it was kind of neat. And I think maybe you have to have some Java development experience to to do the new actions. But they are building like a repository. So if you build an action that it works great for you, you can upload it to their repository, and then it's available to other people. So, uh, you know, we like those kind of community features and things like this. So.
0: Yeah, sounds like a, a great tool, so uh, check out Actions
1: all right and i'll uh, move in with the teacher tip of the week and uh teacher tip of the week i guess is kind of similar to i think the the tip i gave last week but uh molecular workbench and i'm just going to call it molecular workbench because the uh the link is uh is not exactly an easy one but uh, we'll have it out there on on the show notes
0: hey sean where can they go to find that link uh
1: the tightwadtech.com oh, okay Thank yeah you. uh so check the show notes for the link uh but uh the me- molecular workbench is just a really cool site it's kind of one of those web 2.0 sites and uh again uh, it's kind of funny your tip was java based and so is mine so uh it's a site that uh you can run java applets and it lets you design uh kind of visual interactive simulations uh that are uh, uh you know can be uh about uh at the molecular level, cellular level, uh, things involving Newton's laws and things of that nature. So science teachers, uh, uh, anybody that's maybe uh, along the lines of engineering and things like that. So probably more towards the high school student, but, uh, there's a bunch of them on this site that people have already built. So if you're not wanting to recreate the wheel, you can go and they've got these, these interactive exercises that you can just bring up and have your, your students interact with. Um, and, uh, some really Cool stuff there, but you can also take those ones that have been built and, uh, you can download them. And there's actually, a, a, a downloadable GUI that goes along with that. And you can, uh, you know, you can work with these things and change them. Uh, so if you see something there that you like, you don't have to recreate the wheel. You can kind of just, uh, tweak it a little bit to your own needs. So, uh, very cool site.
0: And just a random piece of information there's a Russian version. So if you're listening to this show, but Russian is your native language, You're in good shape.
1: Right, and I should mention it's free. It's open source. Um,
0: not only free, but publicly funded. This is uh, created with funding from the National Science Foundation. So this is your tax dollars at work, you Americans.
1: Right, so yeah, and I guess that should also speak to the fact that it's it's not fleeting or uh, kind of thrown together. This this thing is very solid. It's a really neat site. So uh, I imagine if you're a teacher of the sciences, uh, you really need to go take a look at this. If you know one, uh, uh, pass this along because it's, it's worth it. Uh, taking a look. So, uh, molecular workbench.
0: All right. And I think that ra- r- wraps up the show pretty much. Uh, I think this was a good one, uh, uh, informative, and hopefully entertaining. I laughed you know, if that means anything. Uh, so (laughs) you can find out the, uh, the information uh, about these uh, tips of the week at, uh, the tight There's where you can find show notes for all of our shows. Uh, you can go back and listen to our past catalog of shows. As Derek has said, uh, he is working his way through and I know he's going to get to every one of them very soon. Um, (laughs) <laughs> and, uh, you can also see our, our upcoming show schedule, a Google Doc published on the website there so that you can see, uh, for example, if you had been following that, you would have known that we were recording now and broadcasting live on Ustream and you could have listened in and been a part of the show. Uh, you could also find us at the Taiwad Tech, excuse me, at Facebook.com slash the Taiwad Tech for you Facebook people. If you're a Twitter lover, Twitter.com slash the Taiwad Tech. Um, and if you had uh, done that, uh, you would know that we were uh, broadcasting because we published it and uh, uh, last week Jason came in and uh, was the cool guy because he w- he was listening live. Uh, this week uh, Chris came in and so those of you who are listening on your uh, podcasting devices, your pod trappers, you were not as cool as Jason and now you're not as cool as Chris. Yeah, if you want be to be as cool as Jason and Chris, you need to follow us on Facebook and Twitter and then get in the uh, the live stream and uh, listen and join us in the chat room and, and uh, give us some good information uh back and and uh um it's a good way to spend an afternoon if you're a geek so uh yeah thank you for joining us Uh, as always uh this is your show and we uh we need your feedback once again at com. join our community there become part of the conversation this is our conversation but we want you to join in and so uh i guess for now this is mark signing off
1: and sean signing off